0: From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker.
1: And I'm Jennifer Scha, budget and appropriations reporter.
0: And we want to talk about where we are with the big budget reconciliation package, this mammoth tax and spending package that is the heart of President Biden's whole economic agenda because Democrats now have only two weeks left to meet their self-imposed deadline for passing this thing on a party-line vote with no Republican support. And it's not looking very hopeful that this is a deadline they can make. Uh, It's going to take a lot of Halloween trickery to get this thing done on time, because there is no sign of any imminent deal here that would unite both factions of the Democratic Party that have been torn for months over the size and shape of this package. We have this huge fight between the progressives and the moderates with seemingly no in-between that's gonna get them to a deal and every single Democratic vote matters here. Otherwise, the thing can't pass. Jen, this does not look very hopeful right now.
1: Yeah, the next few weeks are gonna be especially challenging for Democratic leaders and they're gonna to need to be holding meetings almost around the clock with moderate and progressive members in both the House and the Senate to try to negotiate some sort of way forward on this reconciliation package. And it sounds like right now everything is on the table and really nothing has been definitively ruled out. We're hearing from some more progressive members that they don't want to eliminate any of the program's Included in the House's roughly 3.5 trillion package that instead they want to shorten the length of those programs to try to get to that sort of 1.5 trillion ballpark number that we've heard from West Virginia Democratic Senator Joe Manchin as his sort of ceiling on this package in terms of how much it can spend over the 10-year budget window. But then we're also hearing from progressives that they are overwhelmingly opposed to putting in any so-called means testing that would sort of limit who is eligible for these various programs um, to individuals below a certain income threshold. And that is something that has been regularly discussed in public by Senator Manchin. And so those are on the table. Uh, It sounds like there are still some conversations about potentially removing some of the programs that were proposed in House Democrats package. um, But what exactly those programs would be and, you know, the potential cost in terms of votes of eliminating them is really up in the air right now.
0: Yeah. And that's really the big fight. And, you know, the difference between one and a half trillion dollars and three and a half trillion dollars is huge. And closing that gap and making everybody happy is just such a struggle, which which may not be possible. We're going to see. I mean, they could. This could all blow up in their face if uh, if things go badly. And the real there's a real tension there between progressives who say this is our one shot with Democratic control of all of government to get everything done and to go really big, and so progressives did sort of lay out their conditions for a deal this week, which I thought was very interesting. And they made the case in their letter to Speaker Nancy Pelosi that, hey, we're not willing to give up any of these big programs. We're not willing to cave on child care or climate change or, or uh, education, universal pre-K or paid family medical leave, nothing. We want them to all in there And the only way they say they're willing to cut costs is by shortening the duration of the programs, just fund them for maybe a couple years instead of all 10 years. And then we'll go back to the well a second time to get more money later would be the thinking. Um, But, you know, it's not even clear that the math works there. We don't know because we haven't seen any definitive numbers on any of this, but it's not, you know, a lot of people have, have already been questioning, can you really save that much money just by shortening the duration here. Some of these are huge, big ticket items. And so the math may not work. And then the moderates are saying, are just getting scared and saying, look, it's still too much money. The idea of doing a slew of new programs all at the same time may just be biting off more than we can chew. You know, government doesn't have a great track record, they say, of running a lot of new programs very quickly. Look what happened with the Affordable Care Act, with the rollout of, you know, Obamacare websites, all of that kind of stuff. We might be better off taking it more piecemeal and cutting back on the scope of programs here. That's the fundamental ideological clash that you're seeing. And and right now, neither side is willing to give on that.
1: And I think in terms of shortening the programs, that could end up turning out to be Pretty unpopular, um, depending on how long some of those programs would last. Particularly with the bigger ticket items, right? The um, you know the proposal to expand Medicare to include dental, vision, and hearing is a, a sort of heftier price tag, and so depending on how how much money Democrats need to reduce that one proposal by. You know, the length of that is already somewhat narrow um, for some of those those initiatives. And so it could we could be talking about these programs not lasting a matter of years, but potentially depending on what Democrats need for their funding target not lasting a matter of months. And then at that point, I don't think especially, you know, progressives, especially like Bernie Sanders in the Senate, who have been championing this all along, are gonna be on board with that you know some of these more left-leaning provisions only lasting for a really short amount of time in the context of the 10-year budget window and so i think this is going to be a really really challenging balance between moderates and progressives on some of these really complicated proposals and of course one of the things that i think we're likely to hear from more, from democrats concerned about climate change is that you can't really have a climate change program only last for a year and have it make any substantial impact on reducing uh, the effects of climate change, and so I think that's another area where it's going to be a pretty contentious discussion among Democrats in the coming weeks.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. And then the other point you raised, Jim, which is important, is this is this brewing fight we're seeing between the two factions over means testing over whether to restrict the eligibility of these programs based on income. And that's a real fight that's also very interesting because, you know, the progressives are now saying, we don't want any means testing. And they they said that in the letter to Pelosi. They say, look, their argument is it makes every program so much more complicated to have all these rules to make people dodge through all these hoops the administrative burden of running those kind of programs to, to, to try to target it more narrowly, and we're better off let, letting everyone buy into the thing, make it universal, make it broadly popular, is the way they'd like to go. And they can point to programs like Social Security and Medicare, which have been the most enduring social programs we have, and say, look, they're universal. Everybody gets Social Security no matter your income. And that's how they envision these new programs working. Uh, of course, the flip side of that from the moderates is that really makes it unaffordable too. And wouldn't you want to target these only to the people who really need the help? When you're talking about child care subsidies or universal pre-K, wouldn't you want it to be you know, free or mostly free only to those who need it? Why should a millionaire get free child care subsidies? Uh, is their argument. And so that's a real tug of war, too. And then if, if you can't do means testing, you're raising the cost of this whole package again. That's gonna be a very interesting fight. It seems to me there's gonna to have to be some any compromise there. It might depend on the the program and how you structure it. Maybe they can work out for each program to what extent means testing might be allowed. Um, But that's still a big fight raging within the two factions.
1: Right. And these are not easy conversations or easy negotiations for any of these members to have, especially members who have been Advocating for and working on legislation for years to get some of these programs enacted or expand some programs in certain ways. And I think the sort of tensions and the rhetoric is going to only increase in the coming weeks because a lot of these members, I think, view this as their last opportunity to potentially change the way that the United States approaches childcare or community college. Or climate change programs before they retire, because there's a lot of concern that Democrats are not going to be able to keep both the House and the Senate after the midterm elections next November in a little over a year. And so that is something that I think is playing into this as well here is that, you know, in addition to really needing to get to some sort of agreement to show that a unified Democratic Government can govern. I think a lot of these members view this reconciliation package as their sort of final legislative accomplishment of their career. I mean, we've we've heard some pretty big retirements coming out so far. Um, and some other chairmen or chairwomen could announce retirements again soon. And so I think a lot of people are. Not only viewing this through the lens of what is, you know, policy that aligns with Democratic Party values, but what is also good for the party politically looking at the midterm elections and, you know, all these lawmakers want to leave some sort of legacy behind. And I think all the three of those sort of core areas are getting caught up in what is a multi-trillion dollar, incredibly complex policy bill. And I just, you know, I... It's hard for me to see how they get everyone on board with a final product that's several trillion less than
0: it is now. That's the big question. And there was another blow to their effort, I think, this week, Jen, because um, one of the big ways Democrats have been hoping to pay for this package is through this measure that would let Medicare negotiate the price of prescription drugs with drug manufacturers and kind of setting some. Some top line prices here to lower to lower costs on drugs, and if Medicare obviously that's that's big savings. If Medicare doesn't have to pay as much for the drugs it it buys, they're estimating it could save like a half a trillion dollars over the decade. That's big money that could be applied to help pay for this big package. And Nancy Pelosi came out uh, in an interview she did in San Francisco this week and said expressed real doubt that this drug pricing measure was going to make it into this reconciliation package. And she said, "I'm, I'm not sure we'll even get it in this bill, was her quote. Now, she went on to say, we'll get something of it, but it won't be the complete package that many of us have been fighting for. So, you know, maybe there'd be some effort at drug negotiations, but it sounds like at best, it would be a much scaled back measure, much more restrictive as some moderates had wanted, because the flip side is moderates say you're going to you're going to deprive drug manufacturers of the of the profits they need to have have drug innovation and research work done. Um, and it's it, it won't you know, you're going to stifle all of that effort if you if you set what amount to price controls on these drugs. So if they can't do that, they've just lost a ton of money they were counting on to pay for their for all their programs. So that's a big blow. I mean, I, you know maybe maybe Pelosi's wrong and they can finally get a deal on this that works, but she's usually good at counting the votes. And when she says she sort of doubts it can get into this bill, sounds to me like it's not going to be in there in any major form that's going to make you know a real savings. So that's another problem they now have to contend with is they have these shrinking options of how to pay for this package along with the idea of you know increased IRS enforcement was another one that they were going to pump all this money into the IRS to help them better crack down on taxes that are owed but haven't been paid to collect more revenue and they're getting a lot of pushback on that I'm sure you've seen because because part of that calls for extensive uh, bank disclosure reporting that a lot of people are citing privacy concerns and having objections to. If they can't do that type of reporting by the banks, the IRS enforcement piece may kind of crumble. So, you know, little by little, you're seeing you're seeing the revenue sources start to maybe dry up. And then, of course, the million dollar question here is how much of how much in tax increases on corporations and upper income households. Can everybody really agree to? With a big wild card there being Kirsten Cinema, the Arizona senator who refuses to say what she supports, if anything, and is seen as being hostile to some of those corporate tax increases that Democrats would need to really fund this package in any major way. That, th- those are just some of the hurdles that are that are confronting Democrats here uh, with just two weeks left to go in their self-imposed deadline of Halloween to get a package together. Um, of course, of course, it's only a self-imposed deadline, we should say, and they really have all the time they want to get a deal done. And it's clearly going to take longer than that. I think they know that already. Um, but they're trying to put they're trying to put in these artificial deadlines as a way of, I think, ginning up some momentum to get a deal together to put pressure on people to come to some kind of compromise. Um, but I think it's safe to say it's going to take longer than that. The only real hitch of that is, is hanging in the balance here is the bipartisan infrastructure bill that still hasn't passed because, because, uh, house Democrats are using that as leverage to get a reconciliation package passed. Uh, and so, you know, if they don't have the infrastructure bill passed, uh, you know, they they did pass a short-term extension of federal highway programs. They're gonna, but that's gonna run out at the end of this month. They'd have to do another kind of short-term extension of that to give themselves more time. They can probably do that, um, but there's a lot of work over the next two weeks. We're going to see to get a better sense of whether any kind of compromise is possible here. So we will be watching all that for you. That does it for us today. If you have any questions or comments about our podcast, we'd love to hear from you. You can always drop us an email. The address is cqpodcast, one word, at cqrollcall.com. The CQ Budget Podcast is produced by CQ Roll Call, a leader in nonpartisan political and policy news and analysis for more than 70 years. CQ Roll Call is part of Fiscal Note, a global technology and media company. Thank you all for listening. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker.
1: And I'm Jennifer Shutt, budget and
0: appropriations reporter. You can always stay up to date by subscribing to the CQ Budget newsletter. You should to subscribe to this podcast. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, NPR One, or just Google the phrase CQ Budget Podcast. And we'll be back next week.